Good evening, good evening, hello, welcome to another KG Fifth Ward Wildcat and Doc podcast. It's two of us this evening, KG and Doc, trying to do a quick one before Game 3, Rockets Warriors. I just got through, I'm not sure if Doc had it on his TV or, or tablet or smartphone, just got through watching the end of the Minnesota Lynx, LA Sparks, WNBA game that Chelsea Gray won for LA on the Smooth bucket at the buzzer with she let it go like point two seconds left on the spinning layup and she did it again so she handed the sparks a a victory it was ring day for the Lynx but a shorthanded Sparks team came out with the win on the road so that's a big win for them but good crowd in Minnesota so that was also good to see uh, kudos to what the WBA has done the last few days of the tip off of the season to promote. It's products. And, you know, if you don't promote your product, who will? Don't blame anybody else if you don't do it yourself first. So, yeah, WNBA all day is a hashtag. Uh, WNBA takes a stand as another hashtag promoting uh, community activism, social activism. So that's uh, some of that information is on my Women's Hoops blog. So as a backtrack, Doc, how are you, man? I'm doing well, doing well. You said I got to saw the end of the game. Thanks uh, for you providing the heads up. I did kind of go back and forth with WNBA games today, but uh, I was watching college baseball as Texas Southern University was playing Grambling in a championship game, and it was on ESPN News. So, you know, I had to keep up with that game. And then uh, as we are going through the podcast, because Rain has played havoc with the MEAC baseball tournament, game that was supposed to start at 1 didn't start until like 3 so you have a championship game going on as we do this podcast between A&P that comes into the championship game as the number one seed out of the south and has been undefeated in the tournament is playing uh, against last year's champion and multiple year champion Bethune Cookman and Bethune Cookman leads the game Eight to seven in the bottom of the six, no out. So it's a pretty exciting game there. After they finally got it underway because of the rain delay. So uh, the first part I was talking about is I do have news on Texas Southern and Grambling, and Texas Southern literally pounded Grambling to win back-to-back championships. This is three championships in four years for the Texas Southern Tigers under Coach Coach Rob, as we all call him gets it done. He has now has five championships in the SWAC and eight championship game appearances. That is three of the SWAC that we just talked about as well as two in, uh, as part of Prairie View revitalizing that program when he's down there. So he's quickly moving up uh, Mount Rushmore if there's a such thing for HBCU baseball coaches. Uh, and if he's not up there, he's certainly uh, getting prepared to maybe it's uh, etch his face in the stones, as they would say. Uh, I would argue that he should be at least a fourth person. Kadar obviously has to be up there, and there's some other coaches in the SWAC that are pretty prominent. Prominent, um, And then you have to go a little bit into the MEAC, SIC with Florida A&M, and then some other programs over there. But let it be. Just kind of wanted to sneak in that update real quick in terms of what uh, Texas Southern did, and essentially – it was over after the third inning when they put up a nine spot uh, in a in a 
inning where Grandin didn't do themselves any favors with some fielding choices that didn't stick with them and a couple of errors. And Texas Southern does what a championship team does, what a good team. They made them pay for it. And, boy, they came up with some clutch two-out hits to make sure, again, as they uh, put nine runs and pounds around the 18-3. It was a little uh, bit at the end where it looked like it should have probably ended up 18-2 uh, as uh, the uh, – The pitcher was taking a ball from uh, as he missed the first baseman, and they started celebrating. The guy kept running. Actually scored at the end of the game. Then they turned around and got the final out to actually close out the game legitimately. So, Texas Southern, back-to-back champions, and they on going baseball hunting for a national championship, I guess you would say, playing in in the uh, College World Series NCAA baseball tournament. Kudos to them. All right, Doc, I'm going to throw it out there. Do you think Coach Rob should get a look from the Rice Owls? Oh, I think he certainly should get a uh, look for the Rice Owls. I think he should. Do you think he will get a look from the Rice Owls? Uh, I doubt if he would get a serious look. I think if they're smart, they at least give him a courtesy, courtesy look. Uh, but I doubt that he gets a serious look. I mean, it's real. Uh, we like to act like we gloss over this, and and it doesn't exist. Uh, but you're talking about an African American um, that has went from doing this at the high school level. I mean, played baseball his life. He's a lifer, like most baseball people that have these type of opportunities. Literally doing it at the um, high school level at a, a Basically, what we call the inner city program was at that time Forrest Brooks. He took that team to state Final Four teams, which had never been done since desegregation era. He comes over to Prairie View, which was a drag of a program, and literally vitalizes that program. And as I said, he went back-to-back championships in 2006-2007 in the mix of a four championship run. He literally loses the championship uh, to Texas Southern uh, where he had one bad inning or he could have been talking about three in a row. Then he goes over with Charles McCullen essentially, takes that program after it had some mild success, two championship appearance uh, championships for Texas Southern, both of them tournaments, no regular season championships during that time. Uh, but he comes back and wins regular season championships, and finally, after about seven years of building that program, goes on this stretch that we see now, includes three and four years, two back-to-back. So I've kind of told you about that. So his record is solid. And let's look at another example. You have a coach at University of Texas that traveled a similar road uh, against, uh, in terms of coaching at the high school level, getting an opportunity to go up. He goes to Sam Houston State. Uh, does really well at that program, and then he's able to go to UT. Uh, and these guys actually coach each other at the high school level in some big-time games, but it gives you an example of just baseball and how people proceed. And so they're going to perceive the SWAC uh, as not a strong lead, and you could argue against in terms of RBIs and stuff like that, but a lot of that is in terms of the financial resources that that, but he's been able to do things in that league similar to somebody else doing it in a different league, and 
in my opinion, you should get that opportunity. If you look closely at the Texas Southern team, that that team is one of the diverse, most diverse teams in the country, including a European American or white kid that has, actually has a like thirty plus game hit streak in Duke. Uh, that is in his junior year that many believe that he's going to get drafted and won't come back uh, uh, for his senior year, year. And credit to him and what they're doing at Texas Southern and Rods to show that he does it on the academic side with the APR is this kid actually graduated a year early. Um, so in that case, it makes sense for him to leave because he's done basically everything he could do at Texas Southern uh, in terms of on the field. But I bring that up to show you that he has the ability to recruit uh, traditional kids that play baseball in terms of that. He has a Nigerian kid on the team that arguably uh, may get the uh, tournament MVP uh, in ter- from Dallas. Uh, he has several African-Americans on the team. Uh, Hispanic kids on the team that are really good. They come as far as away as Puerto Rico uh, in terms of playing on that team. So he shows the ability to recruit all types of kids and have them play at the highest level in regards to championships, he's had a challenging schedule, uh, a very hard, high RPI in terms of the toughness of the schedule, finding ways to play competitive in them games, getting some games and wins in there. So I think if you look and strip everything away, there's no question uh, that he should get an interview, that he would be one of the top candidates. But I can't sit up here and, and play nice day and say that that's going to happen. I can't. I wouldn't be – I wouldn't. Be surprised if he doesn't even get a serious look, but I think it would be a sad indictment on the world, a sad indictment on Rice, the United States, or where we are in terms of this time and place where uh, African American cannot get a serious look in terms of what's going on. Give everybody Coach Rob's full name. Coach Michael Robinson. So that's a name to. Throw out there to Rice's athletic director, Mr. Was it Callsguard, to give Michael Robinson, Coach Rob, a call and to see how serious you are about getting qualified candidates for the position at Rice. <clears throat> I'm going to shift, stay in college, Doc, stay in town, shift to a different sport. <clears throat> and this is I'm just going to give a little soapbox opinion. Oh, last few weeks, it was reported, or at least at the time, that um, the Orlando Magic of the NBA might consider Houston Cougars men's basketball coach Kelvin Sampson as their next head coach. This week, Last few days, New York Times NBA writer Mark Stein said that the scuttlebutt around, I think, Chicago side of the NBA draft combine was that there was more to it and was possibly further along of Orlando looking to hire Coach Sampson as uh, their next head coach. I don't believe it'd be a great job. In terms of NBA for Coach Sampson, but I'm going to take it from a different approach. <clears throat> doc, you're the data doctor, 
sports professor, business management, etc. The timing from U of A's perspective, they cannot let him go. Correct. And a few few uh, points to it. You've got a solid recruiting class coming in. Those kids, you know, I haven't talked to them, but they would leave. Let's not kid ourselves and say, well, you know, the kids are coming for for the school. They're coming for U of H. They're not coming for the coach. Yeah, whatever. Because <clears throat> Samson leaves, his staff, most of his, of his staff would probably leave with him or, you know, leave whoever the new coach U of H decided to bring in, that person bringing in his own staff, which means the folks who recruited those players would be gone as well, which means the kids would leave. U of H coming off its most successful season in 34 years. Got to win in the NCAA tournament. They won their first-round game on a buzz beater. They lost their second-round game on a buzz beater. Had a chance to go to a Sweet 16. They signed an apparel deal with Jordan Brand, which Coach Sampson helped to arrange. And finalized. So I would, I'm going to assume that that deal would somehow miraculously end if Coach Sampson was no longer U of H. You, you want to come from? Oh yeah, certainly. And it, it, even if it didn't end, it wouldn't have the same luster. Correct. Uh, that it that it would have without it. And then, and then it, next, it certainly wouldn't be renewed either. Either. And then next. You're coming into moving into a new facility. Woo. So you hire whoever. But if you have if you lose your recruits, lose the players on your current roster who would be coming back from a tournament team, have a chance that you're gonna have a bunch of walk ons because this may it's late time recruiting season to sign any new players, especially talented players. So you could be looking at opening up your shiny Bills and Wilson's facility with a bunch of walk-ons and maybe at some point during the season, one to 2,000 people in the building. Woo! That's not a good combination. That's not a winning combination. <clears throat> now, I'm not going to, you know, spend new base money that I, I don't have and say they should take Tillman Fertitta and U of H, President Couture, to give him a blank check, Coach Sampson. I'm not saying that. But I am saying that if he's asking for a reasonable boost in pay and reasonable, you know, take care of my staff, get this done. Don't him and haul, don't drag your feet, don't do what U of H has done in the past. And, you know, take one step forward and three steps backwards. So make it happen. Keep Coach Sampson here. Keep the staff here. Keep the talent here. Keep the momentum going in a positive direction. And, Doc, you you keep the Jordan brand. You get back to the tournament. You're on TV more and primetime games. You start becoming a self-sustaining product in basketball. Then at some point in the – Recent future, near future, Coach Sampson could be bringing in money, paying for his salary. 
Whereas if you let him go, you're starting over again from where he was when he was hired four years ago, when he helped build the foundation and went through all the losing and all those things and people doubting him, doubting you based, why you hired this man? He was on this. He had that. So <clears throat> from a basketball, back from a business, and really, I think, a common sense, those three viewpoints, they <laughs> cannot afford to let Coach Sampson leave or take another job. Wherever it is, NBA, Power 5 program, he needs to be here. He needs to keep this momentum going forward. And let's just focus on the court and winning to take care of itself as long as he's here. Like I said, this is mid-May. Well, we're getting toward the end of May. So you lose the talent, you're not going to replace the talent with talented players. At this late date. Correct. So let's talk Rockets Warriors, Doc. <clears throat> Game three. Before, before, before Go ahead. we do that, I want to chime in there. Because I think you make an excellent point. And we talk about a lot of this on the business side. And, and as simple as timing is everything. And just as you put it, with the momentum that University of Houston has going forward, it would be such a blow to lose a vital chip in that, which is the head coach. And because of all those other blocks that are stepped in place, it's hard to imagine who would you get in instead that would provide you the same type of momentum. So it's one of those situations where you almost have to, quote, unquote, overpay uh, a coach, which many of them in general sense are obviously Every coach is worth the value that they're able to get. And in this situation, he's uniquely in a position uh, where obviously a head coach of a professional team financially is in a great disposition, the opportunity he has an experience as an assistant coach on that level. So it's hard not to take this seriously. You can see that. In a lot of ways, this could be a, a money play that's set up well for them, but you can't play it like that because of everything you have on the line. You have to almost go all in and put yourself in a position to reap the benefits that you have sold for the last three years based on this high, based, based on the new arena, based on the new apparel deal that you have with Jordan based on the recruits that you put together, you sold those fees. Now you have a great opportunity to take advantage of that, uh, certainly going into next year. And then you may start looking at uh, early on of some particular players in terms of coaches that you may be in a position to get that this plays out. Similarly, next year you need to be uh, ready to make that move. But at this point, it's too late in the game to do it. So you have to almost do what you got to do. Agreed. So we'll see how I don't have an inkling one way or the other. Let me be clear because I know that some U of H alums and throughout the this past season, cool basketball fans listen to the podcast. So I'm not saying one way or the other that I know Coach Hampson is, is out of here. I'm not saying one way, one way or the other he's coming back. You know, there's nothing definitive. I have no inside info. Either way, 
I'm just saying from a practical standpoint, right? U of H cannot let him go. Not this year. I mean, it's like a perfect storm for him. Right. So on to the Rockets Warriors. Doc, I might shock you when I say this. I had the opportunity. I was on Fox Sports Radio Station this morning in Rochester, New York. We talked about this series, Cavs Celtics. The guys put me on the spot and asked me who I thought would win tonight, game three. I picked the Rockets. Yeah, that was that was shocking me some, but I think you certainly can make an argument after what how they played in game two, uh, and just how they played all season, along with how Golden State has played. Not only that, you're talking about a Western Conference final, so you know you have two talented teams. So it's obviously obvious that both teams have the ability to win. We're talking about Golden State going back home. Uh, you got to believe Curry's going to play better than he has played in the series so far. This is a team that plays well at home, and so the bench players are going to play even better. Better. So I think it's a tough role for the Rockets, but no, it wouldn't surprise me that you would make that call because I believe that the Rockets have a shot. I'm going to go in the other direction and say that I'm going with the Warriors to win the game. And I'm and I'm cool with that. Because both of us, in last week's podcast, we still picked the Warriors to win the series. I just believe that after these, after Game 3 and 4 are completed, Game 5, the series will be tied 2-2. So it's just a question of which one, Game 3 or Game 4, that I think the Rockets would win. So I, I said Game 3. Uh, I wrote a commentary a few days ago after the Rockets mass the Warriors in game two by 22 points how it just leading up to game two he had so much media talk about the Rockets need to change their style of play it didn't work in game one so they got to scrap it and start all over and and Eric Gordon and Clint Capella saying we got to can't play iso ball this way so we got to do things differently and and the national media really jumped on it and ran with it this is the Western Conference Finals, Doc. You're not going to change how you got what That's what right. you did to get here. Nope. That's correct. Steve Kerr said the same thing. We're not they're, not. they're not going to change. They won 65 games this season, regular season. They had the best record in the NBA. They're not going to change what was successful for them. And the Warriors, after losing about 22 points a game, two, they're not going to change what they do in for game three. So. It, it's interesting to me how some folks just, I'm going to say like it is, some folks seem like they lose their minds and don't think about previous playoffs, just basic basketball sense. Why? Tell me if any team, just with all success, to completely change their philosophy based on one game in the playoffs, in the conference finals or the NBA finals, unless they had to because of injuries, suspensions, right. or something like that. Other than those external factors, you're not changing what got you this far. That's right. You can't. You, it, it is. It's almost insulting 
uh, in a lot of ways for people to truly believe that you can do that because it, it doesn't provide the focus and just how challenging it is to put in the offense in the first place and have everybody really understand the complexities of the offense. And that goes from the fact that one of the reasons we love sports because we tend to play it at some level. Uh, and oftentimes when we play it at those some levels, we see it as very a simple game. But as you play it at the highest level, the professional level, and while there are some simplistic things about the game, there are nuances and significant things that make the game much more challenging than what we want to give it credit for. And so that's the kind of piece that you have with professional sports in general uh, that, that we may not necessarily give the appropriate credit to. Um, just how challenging parts of the game are. And that's what you're alluding to. That you just can't change who you are and the pieces that you put together to create who you are over some 60, I mean, some 80-plus game season that allows you to get to 60-plus wins. You, you don't change it. Now, there are small things, tweaks um, that you do. There's the natural inclination of players to get high and low uh, that you fight against as coaches and players but it's just natural things that happen uh, in in terms of being human, uh, which is another reason why we love and watch sports and these games. And that's what you're really getting into. You know, who can impose a will enough uh, in these games that makes enough difference? And if we're lucky, we get to see a game that is close at the end where someone literally has the ability to show their greatness in a moment of time that we all wish to see. Uh, but in the last couple of games, what we've seen, we literally have seen teams being able to pose their will in such a way that it takes the other team out of their game so much that we're seeing these huge lopsided games, uh, which only means that it's a matter of time where we're going to see a game that is close, uh, well played in those natures, but in that nature. But to your point, it is not easy to just change what you do. And we have to be careful about being prisoners of the moment and enjoy the sport and watch it and maybe ask questions in a different manner to really ask players and let them take us into a game and talk about why certain things happen and how games get away from you. And how do you go from a game where you play really well to not so well? What are some factors instead of making these assumptions and asking with these questions and they give you these types uh, because you don't really ask them in such a way that they can provide you some inter-framing of the game? Well put, Doc. Well put. How can folks find you on the Internet? Yes, you can find me on the Internet uh, at the social media platforms of Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That's Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, that's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. That is D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill. You can catch me also every Tuesday as we do our live show from 545 to 715 uh, at KKBQ 92.98 FM HD 2. You can catch it 
live streaming at www.kcoh-tv.com. Again, it's www.kcoh-tv.com as we're in the old historic KCOH studio. Uh, and you can catch me on that social media platform of Facebook as we do a Facebook Live during the show also where you can watch and hear us uh, from a streaming viewpoint. Best way to catch me there. Is there anything you want to say before we wrap up this quick podcast? No, that's pretty much it. I want the people to enjoy the game, and uh, we'll talk about that a little bit next week as we'll have a couple of more games going in there. Uh, but it looks like we have us a series, uh, one morning. We'll see what's take place here in terms of this series. And just to touch on the other series so people know we're not totally ignoring it, Cleveland did what they had to do coming back home. And, and, and it's going to be interesting. Can they do it one more time to really make that uh, series even more interesting as Cleveland uh, really beat up on Boston as people almost thought that that was going to be a throwaway series. And look and behold, what do we have now? 2-1. And so we're into some very talented teams and very talented basketball uh, in the in the Western and Eastern Conference Finals. So that's really all I have is let's enjoy some basketball get into some of this college baseball as we move forward. And real quick, on um, this, both series, you're, we're seeing the importance of the role players, the non-stars, because as great as LeBron is, as great as Durant is, as great as Harden is, as great as CP3 is, they don't win by themselves. I love it. The leading score in the so far in Rockets Warriors lost. Hard score forty one in game one, lost. Durant scored thirty eight in game two, lost. Lost. LeBron had triple double in game two, they lost. Mm-hmm. Other t- other teammates have to step up. Game three, George Hill had his best game of the series for Cleveland. Kyle Corver made shots. J.R. Smith, the good J.R. showed up. Yep. And and lo and behold, what happened? The Cavs knocked down 17 of 34 three-pointers, and they won the game. As This is one thing, and I'll wrap it up. As great as Michael Jordan is, folks have deified him now at, to a level as it, almost as if he plays the games by himself. <laughs> he won... None of those six championships without Scottie Pippen. He had Horace Grant. He had Dennis Rodman. He had John Paxson, Steve Kerr, Ron Harper, B.J. Armstrong. So teammates, it's a a team sport. He's not playing one-on-one. So we lose sight of that. So it comes down to a superstar is going to get theirs. That's what the game in, game out. That's why the superstars. Clutch time. You need a money shot. You're going to go to your superstar. But to get to that point of those final seconds, you need a teammate to get to that rebound, set that screen for you, make that shot from a, from a pass because an assist does not count unless the person makes the shot from the pass. I could pass you all day. 
You don't make the yeah. shot, there's no assist. So it's still a team sport, and fans and media lose sight of this far too much. Basketball, this is a team game. You look at why does so-and-so win? Why do they lose? Look at everybody else on, on the squad. What, is, what did player X do? Well, he didn't shoot very well. Okay. He rebound? Nope. Well, now we see why they didn't win the game. So those little things add up into the team's success. I am KG of the Houston Roundball Review website, www.houstonroundballreview.com. Houston Roundball Review on YouTube and Instagram. I'm on Twitter at the the HR Review. Spell it for you. If you're new to me, T H E H R Review R E V I E W. Our podcasts are available on SoundCloud, Google Play, Pod Directory, iTunes. We got a Facebook fan page, KG the Fifth Ward Wildcat and Doc on Facebook. We're out there. I also have, I'm not like Doc with Facebook Live and from Radio Studio, but I've started doing, redoing, resuming my interviews. So I have my one-on-ones that I do. I got my mentee on there. interviewed her a few days ago. So you can go to the interview page of HoustonRoundBarView.com. Check that out. I hope to have a few more colleagues and or mentors in the near future on the site as well. So Doc and Isla. We're doing, we're doing what we can to share our knowledge, information, and passion with, with the listeners. So, Doc, thank you for your time. We're going to enjoy game three. We're going to wrap it up as I always do. One and, thing before you wrap it up. Yes, sir. Give, uh, An update. Update of it. The Bill Cookman and the North Carolina A&T MEAC Baseball Championship. It is tied eight apiece. As we head to the top of the eight, looks like we might have a classic one. Sounds good. And, and folks, to get the up final score, just follow Doc on Twitter because you know he'll have it um, when it's done. So is, is that on available on the Internet? Uh, yes, you can go to the MEAC, uh website, click on the baseball tournament scores, and then you can go to sidearm stats. Click on it, and it'll take you to sidearmstats.com, and you can follow the game a lot. Very good, very good. Thanks for that. So is that work of our friend and colleague, Ron McGinty? Yes, he's basically putting that together, and that's why I wanted to make sure that we get his information out there and give him credit for getting it done. Yep, that's the uh, assistant commissioner of media relations of the MEAC, the great colleague of all. Correct. Out of the greatest area. And we've known him for a long time, so all three of us are getting old. So... <clears throat> <laughs> on that on that happy note, I'm gonna wrap it up as I always do. In conclusion, be true, be cool, and do more. <laughs>